Hello, and welcome to the Zero Waste Life Hack Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, DJ extraordinaire, Michelle Sinclair. Hello. Hello. And today, we have brought a very special guest into the show. We have been waiting forever <laughs> to get her into the studio, Deanna Cohen, co-founder of the Plastic Pollution Coalition. Um, thank you for being here today. Stoked to be here. We're stoked. <laughs> and so each episode, we speak about one different item that we use in our lives and uh, more sustainable alter alternatives for them. So today's episode is going to be about cups specifically. Cups. And I, I'm going to start by saying, Diana and Sophia, you guys are the two people I know that always have a stainless steel cup with them, no matter what. <laughs> it's true. And it's an inspiration. Thank I think you. so, too. Um, and again, it's one of these things. The reason why we chose this object is because we don't really realize how many we use until you can see it all together in the big picture, right? So when you think about your morning routine, you've got your coffee, your iced tea, then you've got lunch, then you go out to dinner. So one cup may not seem like a big deal, but at the end of the day, you're probably going through three of them and it's not just the cup it includes the lid it includes a straw so like it's a an cap item if you're getting water or a snapple <laughs> multiple yeah multiple components to it or if you get a coffee as well you can sometimes even get that little plug thing mm. so that it doesn't leak on your way to transporting it a block away you know <laughs> <laughs> so you mean the plastic plug yes plastic. which obviously needs a redesign um but yeah, it's about these things that we use so much and we don't think about where they end up, right? We assume that a plastic cup will just end up getting recycled, right? You just throw it in the recycling bin. Or better yet, if you buy a compostable cup, it's just going to get composted, right? It's compostable. So we're here to talk about all the all the different details pertaining to the cup. And, the cup. Um, and it's so important, the cup. I mean, the idea of what a cup is or like if you think about... Hundreds of years ago, a cup but it would have been, you would have probably made your cup and carried it with you and it would have been your cup. Mm -hmm. You know, it was so important. You couldn't just go out and have, get cups anywhere. Or well, chalice. <laughs> well, I think 50 years ago in a lot of parts of the world, right. a cup would be something natural that was made from ceramic or glass even probably 20 years ago. Oh my gosh. So Copper, depressing. brass. Stainless um, steel, glass, ceramic. Right. So we're talking about cups the way we use them today. Single-use plastic cups at the restaurant, at, you know, when you get to-go orders or coffee. But back in the day, before we had these single-use cups, there used to be public drinking fountains. And a lot of times these public drinking fountains would, had like, uh, would have like a ladle or a cup that everybody kind of used. Mm. And so this spread disease <laughs> a lot, right? And so Did it? Yeah. Well, well you're talking about... Hundreds of years ago. Hundred, yeah, not even. Ladling, right, sharing a cup. Before. <laughs> Are we talking about like, you know. 1900s. Okay, 1900s. Early 1900s, okay. right? So you'd have like a public 1900s. drinking area and then everybody would share the same cup and put it down. And so single-use plastic cups were introduced as a way to avoid the spread of germs because they're single-use. Mm -hmm. But they weren't plastic. They were paper. So mm -hmm. paper is renewable. Um it could easily biodegrade, or p trees are renewable. Not the <laughs> it has to be processed still. But it was this idea that 
it was still very much nature-based, whereas now the items that we're using, yes, oil could be considered natural, but it's still petroleum and it's very toxic, the whole process and everything about it. Um, and the reason why, another reason why I wanted to talk about cups is because I saw this image by one of my favorite artists, Chris Jordan, um, and he did this piece that showed how many plastic cups the airline industry uses, just oh the airline industry. So right. we're not even talking I think it was every six hours. It was, yeah. It was every six hours or in a day or something like that for that piece. Yeah, and I think the numbers like from 10 years ago was like, yeah, one million cups basically every six hours. What? Yeah. So how many hours are in a day? Wow. <laughs> and that's just one industry. That's just one industry. That's, that's just insane. That doesn't include the coffee cups, right? So, although, although in all fairness, when I was a kid on airlines, they used real plates and real cutlery and oh. real glasses. And they were yeah. small, but they used real ones. And if you got up to get some water, there was a kind of little paper, uncoated cup mm -hmm. that you could pull down and um, and get some water in it. Mm. Yeah, they were the ones that you could like pull apart too. Remember yeah. those little cups? <laughs> those Thanks were cool. Well. Yeah. Um, but Deanna, so we wanted to take it back to you a little bit and have you tell us about how you got started in this movement and uh, battle against plastic. And I know that originally um, you used plastic bags as a medium and to kind of bring that awareness. But can you tell us a little bit more about... What you sure, do sure. Do what I do. Well, my story is I um I studied biology and art at UCLA here in Los Angeles, and believe me, I would have dual majored if it was possible at the time. But it was not. They wouldn't let me into any of the classes in either department when I belonged to the other one, so it wasn't possible at the time. Um, so I have an interest in science, and I finally transferred to the art department after a couple of years down in South Campus. Um, and I started making work after I graduated from college out of plastic bags that I was cutting up and sewing back together. I'd originally started with brown paper bags from the market, cutting those, reassembling them, adding sewing as a drawing element, so stitches. And at some point, I added a piece of a plastic bag to one that had a botanical image of a plant printed on it and the name in Latin. And I just looked at the piece, and I had one of those like aha moments. Plastic is such an interesting material. Mm. You know, it very much says this was made by a human. Mm. It's not something that you come across in nature. You yeah. don't really see plastic. And so I started making work out of plastic bags, really celebrating the material, the colors, the shapes, the font that I would find on them, the patterns. It's transparent. It's translucent. It's, you know, opaque. I can layer things. I can treat it like watercolors. I could do all of these things with it. And I also began to take those pieces out of the frames. They started out being framed pieces and then became much larger, multi, you know, two-dimensional, three-dimensional mm. pieces, sculptural pieces. Um, and again, was really celebrating the material. At the same time, some of my pieces after about eight years, some of the bags and some of my pieces started to fissure and break apart. And I got really excited and I thought that it meant that the plastic was organic and ephemeral like us. <laughs> so I started looking into that and realized that wasn't what was happening. It was just some of the bags, depending on the chemical additives that were used to make the plastic, were breaking into smaller pieces. So, Ooh, uh, yeah, so I crazy. got upset about that because yeah. I grew up here in Los Angeles and spent a lot of time swimming in the Pacific yeah. Ocean mm. and also traveling to other places as well. And just in the course of my lifetime was seeing more and more plastic in the ocean, in the wow. sea. 
grabbing it when I'd see it, tying it to the side of my bikini, coming out, looking for a garbage can or something to put it in. You know, I wasn't really differentiating, is this recyclable, is it not recyclable, but just trying to get it out of the water. And just in the course of my life, and really in the last 30 years, I've seen such a huge increase of plastic garbage in the water and washing up on beaches that... um, it just brought me around to then hearing Captain Charles Moore, who created Algalita uh, Marine Research Institute, finding Charlie, discovering him, this crazy but awesome, really thoughtful, intelligent, uh, handsome, charismatic man saying, hey, people, we have a huge problem. We are creating uh, a garbage patch out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and we need to do something about this. Mm. And so my initial idea what, as an artist, being a visual artist, was, wow, I've got to get a boat and so two decommissioned fishing trawlers and <laughs> say, like a cold molding machine and a chipper and go out to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch because I thought what people think when it's they hear island. about it. It's, it's an island. island. Mm-hmm. I thought it's a destination that you could travel mm. to. And so <laughs> I came up with this whole plan to go out and do that. I started gathering friends and colleagues. I started building an advisory board to go out and do it. And having co- I had a phone call with the Google Foundation, and you know, I was going to make it happen. I was going to figure it out. I was talking to these brothers in Utah who had a cold molding machine, no, a chipper that could chip up to 50% organic matter. So I was really excited because I'd heard that there was life growing on this plastic, almost oh like God. artificial mm-hmm. reef wow. in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And all these things are true, mm-hmm. but there is no island. True. Yeah. Well, that's... well, there wasn't when I got started. That's how I. <laughs> think of it so I'm I'm here as the person that's not as knowledgeable learning like maybe some of our listeners are and um I think I just listen just kind of learned that the other day even though you kind of like think like oh that sounds crazy like maybe there is not really an island um I just became an ambassador for the five dryers mm-hmm. awesome. and um the first email they send you is like by the way the island's not an island Go to this website and get your facts. Right. That's great. <laughs> so I think a lot of people think that because it's a visual image when people say Plastic Island. It's a strong image. Right. Yeah. It worked, I guess, because it got a lot of people thinking. I actually think what really worked to communicate the severity of the problem were were artist communications. So visual images, photographs, and films. Mm. Um, and oh, it, before you move on, did yeah. you ever go out on this mission? No, I, abor- I aborted the idea of the mission. Because <laughs> I like the idea of you like out there on this boat yeah. collecting plastic to make art. Coming back yeah. with these cool objects. <laughs> yeah, I was going to make art out of it. I, was, I wanted to raise awareness. I was talking to all my friends who are professional surfers because they're really the first yeah. people that joined me as advisors and friends who were musicians and actors and actresses and just seeing if I could rally like a cool group of people to go out to this thing and raise awareness about it. So that was my original idea. And then in talking to people like Captain Moore, I realized this was literally a fool's task. This is <laughs> to, to clean it up is would be a drop in the bucket relative mm. to how much is being produced every day in the United States and around the world, manufactured and produced, and to how much is getting out into the ocean. And that I needed to back up. So I took a break from my idea. Mm. I backed up. I spent some time thinking about it. I had by then gathered a group of people together who were my advisors. And I met some other folks and we decided to create uh, the Plastic Pollution Coalition together. So it took us two and a half days of hashing it back and forth Mm. all day and all night to figure out that we actually just wanted to call it 
what it is. Call it what it's it is. It's plastic. It's plastic pollution when it gets into the environment and into the ocean. And we are going to put together a coalition, which is an alliance of as many groups who would like to join us and individuals and businesses are welcome as well who are working either on this issue or to measurably reduce their plastic footprint. Mm. So that was the concept behind creating the coalition. And um, we had our soft launch in the in October of 2009. Yeah, congratulations. So we're turning, on to, 10, we're turning years. 10 this year. Thanks. And slowly in the first year in 2010, we grew to about 25 groups and businesses. Five Gyres and Algalita are both two of the first groups that were part of the coalition. Mm. Um, and we've slowly grown. So now we're over 800 groups and we have about mm. 150, it's probably more than that now, notable coalition members that include, you know, people who are thought leaders or influencers. I'm this a is, member. This is when you interject the applaud, the yeah. round of applause. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> well, and I like the the fact that you called it plastic pollution because it's similar to smog, right? In the sense that we cannot clean up smog by taking a giant like vacuum and like right. sucking all the bad <laughs> air it. pollution out of the air. It's like we can't go into the ocean and suck this plastic out. It really has to do with stopping it at the source. So while a lot of companies are ve being very proactive, they're listening to consumers and actually changing the way they operate their business. Like we do need certain laws at a certain point to make sure that the standards or the rates of production are lowered or something. It's It can't just be voluntary, right? If we had waited in the 90s <laughs> for, like, got, you know, for cars to stop polluting as much or whatever, you know, air quality standards to be adjusted, we'd still be, we'd be choking right now. Mm. Like if, so there has to be some sort of regulation. Um, and I know some people don't like that, but I think that's where we are at this point in time with plastic specifically, like. Well, and I also feel like, uh, you know, the health and and protecting the environment and the environment is everything on yeah. the planet and it's us yeah. protecting that. It's not a partisan issue. Not this is all. not a partisan issue. I'm sorry, but, you know, Republicans, Democrats, independents, Green Party, whoever you are, you need to have clean water to drink and clean air to breathe. Yes. All people deserve that and deserve to have that right. And it's interesting because plastic pollution disproportionately impacts people in lower income communities mm -hmm. across the United States and around the, the world. world. And it really? does it in the entire on the entire chain from extraction and war through manufacturing and production through use you know, if you live in a food desert or if you live in a lower income community, you don't have choice when you go to buy food. True. You can't say, oh, uh, do you have that in glass? Because <laughs> yeah. it's not yeah. available to you in glass per se. And then immediately it's a waste issue and a waste management issue. Right. And a lot of what we're seeing is that industry ha and multinational corporations and corporations have no problem um, saying, well, and at the end of life, we, we use a model which is waste to energy, which sounds really great. Mm -hmm. Waste to energy sounds great. What the heck does that mean? I... What does that mean? Because a lot of times it means incineration. Yes. Oh. When you incinerate something, yeah. again, you're impacting people in poorer communities mm. because they live across the street from the incineration mm -hmm. plant, and you're polluting their air, and you're releasing dioxins and particulate matter that's poisonous for everybody. So mm. it's a it's a... You know, most people don't even know that plastic is primarily made from petroleum. They That's don't. the carbon source. Yeah, I've learned that just from sitting here. We're on, you know, sitting here in the 
doing our first season. I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, you can make plastic out of plants as well. You can make it out of other carbon sources, mm -hmm. which would probably ultimately be better than making it out of petroleum, which is a finite True. material. Uh, but I mean, uh, there are scary things happening right now. I mean, every I, I just was reading about this a couple weeks ago. The whole Ohio River Valley and parts of Appala parts of Appalachia that were really suffering with the decline in the coal industry mm. are now being rebooted and revamped to produce plastic mm. with processing plants for ethylene and um, uh, fracking and all kinds of stuff. Crazy. So it's going to poison everybody again. And I think that people who live there are probably so grateful to have work. Work, yeah. But at the same time, is it is it fair to create factories and companies where you're you're making work that is toxic for the people that are employed by your company it's i don't so know because for me I'm, I'm like well isn't it a simple thing you just don't make the plastic you make instead of making plastic this you turn it into something else and it could be the same company in the appalachia mountains doing the same giving them the same work but they're just making it out of a different material true <laughs> or there could be but, like a shift I mean, in Obviously, Values. big business is big business. Well, so I mean, also, it, it doesn't... Sounds easy for me to say it sitting in this seat. <laughs> well, I mean, also, it doesn't matter which carbon source you use. Right. If you add the chemicals that plasticize the carbon yes. material to it, there's mainly two groups of chemicals. There's bisphenols, like, hi, this is BPA-free. You know, I can talk about that, too. Ooh. But anyway, mm -hmm. you use bisphenols or, and you use phthalates. And bisphenols... I'm not a scientist, but bisphenols are used to make the plastic transparent or translucent and I believe like rigid and to, to shape it and form it. And the phthalates are used to make it soft and kind of rubbery. So if you have a kid's toy that's not actually... Like a rubber duck. Well, like a rubber ducky. But if you have a kid's toy and it's not made out of real rubber from a rubber tree, then it is made out of plastic, generally petroleum-based plastic, and it's heavily phthalated. Mm. And the problem with those two class groups of chemicals is that they've been linked to all different kinds of health problems mm. because they um, they function like endocrine disruptors mm. and uh, micro amounts can we can absorb them through our hands thermal receipts mm -hmm. uh, receipt paper is made with bisphenol That's A another episode uh, <laughs> I know these are like <laughs> our podcast <laughs> Mm -hmm. The receipt um, paper, too, is the next one that's bumming me yeah. out because I just learned about that, too. Oh, well, can you I just tell you something? I know it's another episode, but so Dr. Pete Myers, who's one of our scientific advisors. I just heard him speak. At yeah. Your lunch oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Pete um, said that he had a student ask him when he was giving a talk about if it was okay to burn receipt paper. And Pete said, well... I don't recommend breathing the fumes from that if you're going to burn it. And then another guy in the class said, well, actually, he uses it to roll joints. <gasps> and Pete just says, Pete said, oh my my, I, I don't know what my reaction was, but oh my eyes my got gosh. really big. And he said, I don't recommend doing just that. smoking it. You're going to die. Well, it's not that. It's just you're dosing your body with Ooh. basically with estrogen. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you wow. absorb it very quickly into your bloodstream mm. through your hands, through your skin, if you're smoking it, which is insane. Um, you know, so you can absorb it. And so, so what nice. happens is when you are when, when we are exposed to these chemicals, either through our food packaging or, you know, microwaving something in plastic and it may be, you may be exposed to it that way because it'll leach out or a hot beverage in something that's plastic. Um, those chemicals have been linked to lower sexual function, sterility, infertility, to 
diabetes and obesity, which wow. are we're basically having epidemics of yeah. in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, and to breast cancer, prostate cancer, and brain cancer. Wow. So there's a definite correlation there with the impacts on human health, not just what we're seeing as far as like litter on, you know, on the beaches or like marine entanglement or things like that. Like we Mm. ourselves are actually suffering because of this explosion of plastics into our everyday lives. I mean, it's in everything. It's in everything. Well, I wanted to, because this was another thing I literally just read recently. Actually, no, it's a campaign that our city of Los Angeles is doing on the recycling trucks. Mm. They're posting big pictures and they're pointing and saying, this is recyclable, this is not. So they had like a pizza box and it was like, you can recycle the top, can't recycle the bottom because the pizza was greasy. greasy. And then the big one for me was the coffee cup. Oh, yeah. And it said, I'm the kind of person that goes and gets a coffee Mm -hmm. if I don't have a cup with me, Mm -hmm. which I often don't. I'm still trying to get in the habit. And I will refuse the lid. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, I won't get the lid because I can't recycle it, blah, blah, blah. I'm not even thinking about the health issues. And then this picture said, lid recyclable, <laughs> coffee cup not recyclable. Mm-hmm. And that just blew my mind because my husband is always like, get the lid. Are you crazy? You're going to spill everywhere. And I was like, it's plastic, blah, blah, blah. And so when we saw that together, he's like, eh, you can't recycle the cup and I was like dang it I'm bringing my my coffee cup everywhere and that is because I'll let you guys break it down because oh, why why, why it's not recyclable oh because um, it has a certain percentage of plastic in it and that I never knew because you think Even you're getting a like paper, paper cup yeah but let's actually let's talk about it because it's good okay, it's, I think it. it's good not to have a lid on it if you had to get something like that because in general the lids are made out of compressed polystyrene mm. and um Compressed polystyrene can give off a neurotoxin. Mm. So that's bon appetit. It it gives off the neurotoxin in general or with when it's hit by the hot Uh, uh, coffee or or tea or whatever. That's a great question. And I am not a scientist, so I don't know. But I mean, we just know it's there. I can pretend to be one. Yeah. But no, so listen, I mean, I, I, you know, can I go back to another thought for a second and then bring us back? Earlier, we were talking about what is the thing that's really helped people understand that there's a problem out in the ocean, not just with the the northeastern Pacific garbage patch, the Great Pacific garbage patch, but multiple garbage patches and mm-hmm. this that we're finding plastic in trawl samples from oceans and seas around the world, uh, microplastics, et cetera. Um, and actually, Marcus Erickson from Five Gyres calls it smog. smog. He calls uh-huh. it plastic smog uh-huh. in the same way that you made that reference. But I think some of the most pivotal communications that have helped people understand the problem better are Susan Middleton and Chris Jordan's photographs of the dead adolescent albatross carcasses Mm. from Midway Atoll in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And these birds have died in situ. And then the body begins to break down and go back to the earth. And the entire stomach, bolus of the stomach is, uh, I mean, the stomach is just packed with lighters caps a lot of recognizable stuff Mm -hmm. i mean and you wonder it makes you turn around and say hey coca-cola what's your bottle cap doing in (laughs) the stomach of a dead bird in the middle of the pacific ocean oh man so that's really sad uh and toothbrushes barrettes everything (laughs) that was very informative and i it's not enough time i could like talk to you for another hour but we'll take a quick break and come back with our simple life hacks just to make it more positive and uplifting because we can yeah. do stuff for it. 
Life Hack Podcast listener. Did you know that we have a hashtag you can follow? Yep, you can follow along, share your life hacks, and we'll share ours. Look for the hashtag Zero Waste Life Hacker and become a part of the community. For more information and solutions, go to www.zerowasteco.com. Um, so you mentioned that Deanna and I are the two people that you know that always carry a cup with them. Yep. Um, a reusable cup. A reusable cup, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think mm-hmm. also because you guys have the, some, well, most of the time it's the stainless steel cup, which is so cute. Mm-hmm. I have some At ceramic bars, ones, too. Just like, hey, put in a cup. Hey, but- did you know that when you go to a coffee shop, you can also, if you're going to have your coffee in, you can always say to them, I'm going to have this coffee here. Would it be possible to have it in a real cup? And yes. a lot of them have them up in the cabinet. They just don't have a lot. Even Starbucks. Coffee Bean and Starbucks do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to ask, though. But now they're really into selling all their cups, you yeah. know, selling reusable cups yeah. to people. But I think it's really important, and we should let everybody know right now that if you bring your own, if you invest in a reusable cup, preferably non-plastic, which mm-hmm. will be better for your health, and you go regularly to work from a coffee shop, most of them will give you a small discount every time At you buy a coffee cents, right? in it. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the week, that's a lot of money. Especially... It's a free coffee eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is a free yeah. coffee like every week or so. So it's really, really worth it as an yeah. investment if you're trying to be a, a more thrifty person. And also if you don't want to create waste or you're going for um, a life that is like less impactful mm. to, to the earth and to using using up resources – then carrying your own cup is really great. Yeah. And also, I would consider a mason jar to be like the equivalent of a cup, right? Oh, yeah. Because without the lid. (laughs) Mason jars are great. Yes, because that you can use also for like your food to go, right? So if you've got like extra rice or something, you don't have to get that container. And then the great thing about mason jars, too, is that you can also freeze them, right? So if there was like a nice coffee or something like it's it's multi-use. And I know that sometimes glass isn't like... um, very easy to carry like on you glass is the best i think so too <laughs> oh but just if you're gonna freeze something don't screw the cap down yeah. leave it loose or on, leave set some it on space yeah. too like you yeah know, that's so you don't break the i've done that before part of the hack you know what's funny is my hashtag you know i didn't come up with it obviously but like refuse single use so one time i was like oh look at this glass bottle i got and like literally the minute i stepped out of my car the first time that i filled it up it broke and oh. i was on the beach like oh, in the beach parking no. lot uh, and it felt so horrible because i'm like oh my gosh now there's all these people up? that are bare. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you know like well it i guess is if my glass favorite. makes you nervous then stainless steel I don't stainless know. <laughs> steel definitely the way to go but it like glass in itself is just such a beautiful <laughs> no, it, it lasts is. forever. So I love my mason. It's also jar made from sand. Yes, Ooh. which is something. It's like mirrors. It's so magical. Yeah, it is magical. Yeah. Glass <laughs> is magical. And remember when marine debris at the beach meant coconut leaves and palm fronds and seaweed, and, see and like now it's just plastic un- lighters. It's unbelievable. Tips Here, of Swisher sweets, bottle oh caps, gosh. cigarette butts. The the last time I had a long walk with a friend of mine who's a marine biologist on the beach here in Santa Monica, which was like last year, 
an actual long walk together on a weekend, I started picking up washed up plastic sunglasses and single flip flops and mm. stuff like that while we were walking and then realized there was way too much for me to pick up. Like I picked that mm. up in, you know, walking not even not even a quarter of a mile. And then I saw that there were piles of them a little bit higher up on the beach. So other people were grabbing them too. I also saw other women and other kids cleaning things up. And I thought, what, like, what is going on here? Not to say that cleanup's a bad idea, because I think you can really learn from cleanup, especially if you add brand audit data. Yes. I don't know about that. I'm really excited about that. So the five gyres and Greenpeace have really been trying to um, put responsibility on the producers, right? So Coca-Cola and all these other companies will brag about how many products they sell each year. So they're like, we sell three billion, you know, these this, per that, year. The other. But it's all output, right? So they're all just looking at their numbers and how much they're putting out there, but there's no sort of recovery effort for it. And again, like a lot of these items that we're buying are ending up in other countries where they don't even have the infrastructure to deal with it or the main way to deal with it is burning it. So... You know, so it was, actually, it was with we helped create a group called Break Free from Plastic. It's a movement. Yes, and and Five Jars is part of it, but so is Algalita. So our um, there are twelve hundred groups now, but awesome. it was originally I think forty, uh, and we created this together. And yes, it is mainly driven by Greenpeace, but they've come up with this brand audit which is good, it keeps getting refined, mm-hmm. and it's basically taking the beach cleanup data and, and uh, the beach cleanup information that's pretty much been held and organized and seeded with Ocean Conservancy, mm-hmm. and taking that information and adding a whole component to it where you do brand identification. Right, because you can tell where these products are coming from. Right, and well, you when send what it that, back to them? What that allows, some people send it back <laughs> to them, but what it really allows is it allows you to turn around and share that information with these companies and say, hey, you know, Coca-Cola, Nestle's, Unilever, you've got a problem. Mm. You need to redesign the packaging that you're using and mm. you need to come up with a way to take 100% of it back. Well, I think that this leads to a very simple and basic life hack that obviously is not being used. And it's probably the simplest one. Just put everything in the trash. No. Just put things in the trash, though. If they were in the trash, they wouldn't be on the beach. Yeah, but if you put things in the trash, the trash yeah, hang on. So wait, 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 wait. We have to talk about <laughs> well, this. Well, recycling. the storm drain. But, but somewhere. Okay, so let's talk about, somewhere all, besides, let's talk about all these things first. Right, second, yeah. Because there's a lot of people working on it. Okay. Um, first of all, in the United States, as of 2014, 2017, we recycle less than 9% of all right. the plastic that Which we use. Which is crazy. Because yeah. So it, get your head around that. Nine less nine, than nine yeah, percent. One out of every ten products Because to all of us that gets think, recycled. actually oh, we're recycled like putting stuff in recycling project. bins or, oh, we're putting it, yeah. So. And then you learn so that. You can't you, recycle you, our way out of this problem. No, you, no. we can't. Okay. And so so take that in. Right. You know, absorb yeah, that. And cool. then because of what's called the China sword, which is mm. China saying we're not going to take your recycling anymore, which a bunch of... Uh, countries were exporting their their plastic waste to China. They said that. Since they said that, the projections by our friend Jan Dell, who's a chemical engineer who's been working with us with Plastic Pollution Coalition, um, her projections that were by the end of 2018, our recycling rates in the United States would drop to 4.4%. 
Hmm. And by the end of this year, 2019, they will drop to 2.6%. So why are they dropping? They're dropping because there's a situation that's been created where materials don't have value. Mm. In particular, plastic doesn't have value. Plastic is not a valued material. It is cheaper to make new plastic. Yeah. And even when you use recycled Crazy. plastic and things, you have to add virgin material to it to make the polymer chain strong enough to use it again. So basically, okay, so if I take I, back it often if, gets I take, if I take too. back my hack, then we're coming back to refusing plastic. Uh, the best thing you can do for your health before it ever becomes a waste management issue is just not use it in the first place. Not use it. True. And if we relate it back to the topic of the day, um, the simple, so I, well, here's my question for you. <laughs> if we bring it back, back to the topic, when you leave the house, because I feel like this is where everyone starts. It's like, first it was bags. They're like, oh, I always forget my bag. And now I'm at the market already. I'll just get, get my bag. So it's the same thing. So your habit, what do you have when you leave the house? What's your go-to? Do you, and do so you put it I, in your purse? Do you have a separate, like, what's your... I bring a cup with me. Go-to this, hack, yeah. this, And this is uh, made by Hydra Flask, but mm. I have a lot of different kinds of cups. But I bring this one. It's insulated, so I can put hot or cold drinks in it, and I love it. Um, I bring that with me. I always carry bamboo utensils that have mm. a fork, knife, spoon, and chopsticks. I like straws, so I carry a stainless steel mm. reusable straw that I slide into my to-go wear kit. Yep. I was just given a really beautiful one that is copper colored too, Ooh. super cool. <laughs> um, I carry uh, a vintage handkerchief that I found that's dark blue with a pattern on it and I use that as a napkin. Great. I've even used it to blow my nose and then I wash it. Oh my gosh, you yeah. can do that? It's this cool thing. You mean you can what? wash something and use it again? <laughs> it's crazy. I carry um, a little fold up Chico bag with me uh, or a bag like that, that that is small. That I really love these mini Chicos that they had for a while because mm-hmm. they were so tiny and then they'd pop up and you always had a bag with you. I try to keep canvas bags or baskets in the back of the car. Yes. On the back of the door, if I'm going to go out and grab the bike or walk somewhere to a market. And you really are teaching yourself new behavior. Mm. Although I don't think that the responsibility to solve this entire problem mm. lies with us as individuals. This I like true. the culture hack of that because I like helping share and empower with people how to reduce their personal plastic footprint. Yeah. But at the same time, the way that we're going to create change is also going to come from pushing for extended producer responsibility from companies, Mm -hmm. not purchasing things from companies that are packaging everything in plastic and you know what, letting them know and letting markets know. I've always let, I can't buy anything at Trader Joe's anymore. I was going to say because Trader Joe's for me is the cheapest place. That's the kind of best for a whole family. Right. Right. But we live in Southern California, yeah. and we're super lucky. We can go to open farmers markets almost every this day of the week, true. all this year, is true. Yeah, all yeah. year. Which is different than I'm. I'm not trying to put this on people who live in the Anywhere you know else. Yeah, yeah. in a place where they have We're a really hard winter. Yeah, but you know we can go to the market and we can buy beautiful. I love the Finley Brothers, Wiser Farms, like Harry's Berries, yeah. all of these companies that are. You go with your own basket and your own bag. And uh, the other day I went on Sunday and bought 12 different kinds of lettuce. How awesome is that? See, my goal is to be a person that eats. (laughs) Like, I'll buy this stuff. And then like a week later, I'm like, oh, I wanted to make that kale salad. (laughs) Well, at least I'm composting Um, it. Well, 
I have we one do more have thing a food food episode coming up. <laughs> we we do. Get in. I have a hack for you when we get to that one. Well, and I was going to say, whenever we talk about the hacks, we always talk about things to go, right? Because we're right. so busy. Mm, we're always yeah. on the go. We're mm-hmm. between driving kids to school, taking the bus, going to work, whatever, you know, going to the gym. But there's things in our own home that we can do. Like at some point, we all entertain. Michelle, I know that you love to entertain. Mm-hmm. And so there are some simple alternatives there, too. Like we're so used to just getting, you know, like let's say a kegger, right? (laughs) Like the ubiquitous solo cup, that's like a regular thing. But what if I told you that if you are going to have a party, instead of doing a keg with, you know, where you buy the plastic cups, you're better off buying uh, bottled beer in aluminum or beer in like a glass. Like those are simple things that you can do when hosting a party that will generate less waste because Mm. those things can be recycled. You can put this in, in your blue bin. So it's not necessarily just like on the go. Or say you do have a kegger, right? Like <laughs> you can just use real cups or use mugs or whatever it is. Like there's things that you can do in your home. Mm. Like I'm, it's not always. I'm a big go. fan of secondhand stores and vintage like thrift stores. And you can also go find great cups and glasses and just buy a bunch and mix match them or look for a particular thematically look for 70s ones or whatever your style is that you like and then just have a bunch of those asking people to bring their own I know that I've been to a lot of events lately um, hosted by the city of Santa Monica for instance and in the email it will say our goal is to make this you know event more sustainable please bring your own cup so I think Putting and those they've reminders. been doing that on um, sets. There's yeah. certain people that have been doing that on uh, film sets. Yeah, so if for you work the crew, in, if you work in an industry like that, like that's something that you could put into your production log or the call sheet. Like, hey, we're trying to do make this more sustainable. Bring your own reusable water bottle. Bring your own cup. And by putting those reminders there, then people will eventually start picking up on it. And mm. maybe they won't remember every time, but they might remember every other time. We have three blog posts on our. Uh, mm not the resources section of the Plastic Pollution Coalition website, but uh, the news section that have been written, one by a commercial director who's based in Venice about uh, reducing the plastic footprint on his set and the reminders that they send out in advance. Another one written by a woman who has a catering company for film and television and how she does it. And then another one written by a man who's doing photo shoots and setting up photo shoots and how to do this. And it's available to people, which I love. Just oh, for well, free. Ha- well, you'll have to share <laughs> yeah. that. Sure. And Happy maybe you to. can't host a completely plastic-free party, but there's make a commitment like choose one item that is easy for you and that you can do so like for example if i'm going to have a party i'm going to choose to use real wine glasses why because i think wine tastes better out of a (laughs) real glass Mm -hmm. than a plastic little cup so maybe i am going to have plastic cups for the kids or something like that but not all of it no not me i'm just saying (laughs) she's like like if i'm somebody else (laughs) maybe somebody else but you know little ones like that for the kids true but you know focusing on progress rather than perfection Right. right so like it can't be all 100 completely plastic free but there are certain things that can be so just at least sticking to that finding how easy it is and then just next time you host another party Making it a little but bit But here's the thing. Why do we save? Why do people save good china? Why do people save yes. things and never use them? Mm. Like, isn't it more loving and beautiful when you have a gathering with friends or family over to to get out everything you have and use real stuff? Yeah, I mean, agreed. yes, it creates more work. More You've got to wash it afterwards. But I think it's done in a way that's very loving and thoughtful and, and frankly, just a more beautiful aesthetic experience mm. for people. I am um, at 
also at a thrift store, I found brand new, a bunch of linen, you know, napkins, cotton napkins that were really beautiful that were, again, a dark pattern, like a tartan kind of pattern. And I just bought them all. And I, we use them for events all the time. When mm-hmm. you come to our Plastic Pollution Coalition yep. monthly lunches, those, were great. those are our napkins. Super easy. Yeah. Super easy. And Super I have one more. One more. I know okay. we're running out of time. And then we'll Because we're talking about individual action. We're talking about reaching out to corporations and asking them to take responsibility. But I think that a lot of us are also part of a lot of um, larger groups in our community, whether it's a like religious organization or, you know, the Girl Scouts or whatever it is. So I think about, for example, church. How many people go to church, Mm. synagogue, whatever it is. And there's always something afterwards, right? There's like the little coffee break. That's a good opportunity where you can get your whole community engaged. So rather than just reaching out to these cup manufacturers, you can go to your pastor, your you know rabbi, whatever it is, and be like, hey, would you guys mind putting a little reminder at the you know little pamphlet or something like, hey, we'd love you, you know, we'd love for you to join us after the 10 a.m. mass for coffee or whatever. Please bring your own cup. Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. even if not everybody brings them, stop buying those expanded polystyrene cups that are horrible. Like, I remember when I was younger, I used to love them and I used to, like, Me too. bite them. And pull them apart. I used to pull them bite apart into little like pieces. Oh, bite flat. them and you can put your teeth marks yeah. in them? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Deanna's like, face too. No, like, me too. It's just and, so sad. But it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But it's, it's so tr- sad. We didn't even know. We had no idea. Yeah. Our we parents didn't. didn't know either. No. But, like, I think that's mm-hmm. a great way to impact more people all at once and so if you reach out to that part of your community and they're like hey we're not going to buy these cups anymore maybe Mm. they'll switch to paper (laughs) once but there's always like one little change and knowing why you're making that change can lead to another change and then once you know better there then you make another change so I think like again it's not we can all bring our own cups but let's inspire others to do better because now that we know better we can choose better. And we have so many options. We didn't mm-hmm. before. Now we've got Amazon. It's like, mm-hmm. there's, no, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's not difficult to get. You can't, you can't just say like, oh, well, they didn't have those. It's more final. It's like, well, there's other options. So I encourage you to really connect with other communities that you're a part of and ask them to make those changes. And it's simple. It's really simple. It's simple. I agree. All right. It's a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Time for a break. <laughs> Hoot Mobile Disco is proud to be an official sponsor of this podcast. At Hoot Mobile Disco, we believe that working towards a zero-waste future is as important as a good tune. That is why we are making playlists with featured artists for each episode. If you liked what you heard today on this episode, visit our website at hootmobiledisco.com. That's H-A-U-T-E, mobiledisco.com. And look for the hashtag, Zero Waste Life Hacker. There you will find the name of the artists and various playlists around today's theme of cups. We are back from this break where we just can't stop talking with Diana, And um, she had a great story about do you want me to tell it tell really it fast? Yeah. So I was driving up the five to San Francisco from Los Angeles, and I stopped at an AM, PM mini mart, you know, to get gas for my car. And I walk in with my reusable cup, and I'm like, hi. I was wondering if I could get a beverage in my own cup that's not in plastic. What are my choices? And 
the woman behind the cash register said, well, you can go to the soda fountain, you could get coffee, you could get tea. So I went and got some iced tea with ice, came up to pay for it. I said, how much is that? And she said, I don't know, that'll be a dollar. And I said, okay, great, thank you, here you go. And I said, do you mind if I ask how much it would have cost if I didn't bring my own cup? And she said, oh yeah, it would have been $1.99. So you saved money. (laughs) Yeah, and if I were regularly (laughs) driving up and down the five, I would be saving a lot of money at each stop. Wow, that's nuts. And that adds up. That adds up, especially when there's multiple, like, right? Like if you have a family, Michelle and I each have kids, so I think we're even more aware of it because everything is times three. Right. It's not just one soda. It's three sodas. It's three oh my waters. Gosh. It's three. And they never <laughs> drink it all. Well, well, and so what you can also do with a reusable cup is you can get one drink or two drinks and then pour it off into your mm-hmm. smaller, into cool little, little yep. travel yep. steel cup that mm-hmm. you've got for the kids. Yep. No one needs the super size me. No. no. Nobody. Nobody. Oh. Um, we just want to say thank you so much for thank coming. Deanna is the best i've known her forever and i always love running into you out in the world and so thank you and hopefully we can bring you back i hope so and thank you for all the great music it's been it's been great sophia thank you for hosting oh thank you um we want to give some plugs where can people find information or found find out more about the coalition so you you can let people know we would like everyone in the world to join the coalition and it's currently free and that would be at plasticpollutioncoalition.org.org and you can also follow us on we're on twitter and instagram at plastic pollutes with an s at the end and you can also find us on facebook and we're plastic pollution coalition yeah, Yay. definitely follow for information, insight, knowledge, guides, inspiration, mm-hmm. one sheets. Oh, we yeah. didn't even talk about the baby guide. There's oh a healthy baby guide. Gosh. We didn't even talk about festivals. Oh my oh, gosh, we need to... festivals. Okay, <laughs> that's two more episodes coming at you. We're gonna bring Deanna back. I'm happy to come back. See oh you soon. Oh my gosh. Um, we'd also like to thank our listeners and our Patreon backers for helping to make this possible. We couldn't do it without you. We couldn't do it without you. Um, also, we just are asking you to follow our hashtag, which is hashtag zero waste life hacker and share with us some of your simple solutions and it's life plastic hacks. pollution. Yeah. <laughs> Ow! And then we'll repost, we'll share, maybe even talk about some of them, our favorite ones here. And that's it. Otherwise, visit zerowasteco.com. Sophia will do a blog post about this episode and some of the good points we came across. So you don't have to listen to us every time. You could just read about it. But listen to us at least once or twice and then go read about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>